hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods. In this episode of the show, I'm super excited to introduce you to my good friend, James Swanick. James is an Australian-American entrepreneur who helps social drinkers reduce or quit alcohol. Swanick is the creator of the 30-Day No Alcohol Challenge, co-founder of Swanick Sleep, and he hosts the James Swanick Show podcast. A former journalist, he's interviewed world leaders like Al Gore, champion athletes, and movie stars like Bradley Cooper. What a stud. In this episode of the show, we're going to talk about all things alcohol. You're going to discover why you might consider quitting drinking alcohol if being a high-performance human is something that is of import to you. James is going to give you the specific mindset and tactics that you can use to diffuse social pressure, which you can use not only for abstaining from booze, but when your friend, coworker, or family member offer you junk food, these tips are going to come in really handy as well. And James is going to reveal how merely quitting alcohol can help all your wildest dreams come true. Well, not really, but he is going to share how his journey, which included quitting social drinking, led to the manifestation of the idealized life that James had always desired. This is a super fun and enlightening chat, and so I'm excited to get into it. But before we do, I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode of the show, and that is Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic has really stuck with the genius life for many months at this point, and I'm glad that they have because I'm a big fan of Four Sigmatic products. Everything from their lion's mane infused coffees to their reishi elixirs to their chaga, which purports to have immune system supporting properties. Four Sigmatic allows you to easily and inexpensively exploit the medicinal properties of certain species of mushrooms. If you want to check out anything that Four Sigmatic makes, head over to foursigmatic.com slash max or use promo code max and you'll get to save a whopping 15% off of everything in their online store. That is a robust discount that you can then use to put towards James Swanick's 30-day no alcohol challenge, which we're going to talk a little bit about over the course of the next hour. All right, guys, well, we're our seconds away from getting into this chat with Mr. James Swanick. Please take a moment um, either now or as you listen to spread the word about the genius life. Take a screen grab, post it up on your Instagram stories, help spread the word about what we're doing here. And also, please leave that rating or review on iTunes. I earnestly hope that I I've earned that five-star rating from you, but if I haven't, let me know why in the reviews. I would really appreciate that. And finally, please join my newsletter at uh, maxlugavere.com. You can head over there and enter your first and last name, and we will be in touch in a very intimate but non-creepy way. It allows me to email you guys about my latest projects, um, science that I think you ought to know about, products that I'm digging, books that I recommend, and the like. Again, that's maxlugavere.com. I would love to hear from you there. All right, guys, without further ado, here is my good friend, Mr. James Swanick. Mr. James Swanick, thank you for being here, man. Great to be here, Max. It's good to have you. It's always good to have friends on my show. I like that. I like One thing that I like about having this podcast is that I get to interview whoever I want and that there's a range, you know, like I have PhDs and MDs and... Mm. And then just guys like you. <laughs> <laughs> Was that like a neg? That's what they call it in the pickup game, right? When you neg someone, neg a girl that you're attracted to. That was like, you is, just gave me a backhanded compliment. Is that an Aussie term, a neg? No, no. It was like in, the, in that book, The Game by Neil oh, Strauss. I never read it. was like yeah. negging. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but I like, I like the humor. I like that. You kind of gave me a gentle slap on the face. That was yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, but no, I mean, that's not to say that you don't have lots to offer my audience. You do. And so I'm excited to get into it because you are, I wouldn't have you on my, on my show if I didn't think that you added tremendous value to my life 
and therefore could potentially add tremendous value to the lives of you, the listener, listening to this to this episode. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Dr. Max Lugavi. Oh, wait, you're not a doctor? <laughs> there, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, but I thought you wrote that New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods. I did. Oh, I did. but no doctor. Oh, no, yes. I just negged you right you back. You negged me right back. <laughs> Man, I guess, you know what they say, if you can't stand the heat, get out the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. I won't tell you what we say in Australia. It's a lot more crude and crass. <laughs> you you Aussies are pretty tough. They raise you pretty tough. Like, yeah. You don't like um, hugging. You know, it's funny. I In 2000, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar in London. And I walked in and he was saying, high five the people next to you or give them a big hug. And I was like, get me out of this cult. I want nothing to do with it. And I grew up in an Australian culture where you shake hands with people. Like even with my father, I, he, we stopped hugging when we were like nine or 10 years old. But it was only last year where I actually asked, asked him if I might hug him for the first time in 30, 30 something years. And it was so hard and so awkward for me to ask him. And I could see it was awkward for him to respond, but he did and he said, yeah, okay. And we stood up in the middle of the Queen Street Mall in Brisbane, Australia, and we hugged for the first time in 30 years. Hmm. And that was a pretty wonderful moment for me, and I hope it was for him as well. But it's so, it was so tough because 30 years, Australian culture, male culture, don't hug, just shake hands. It was, it was a lot. Yeah. What is it about how they raise you as a boy in Australia that makes you so, you know, such a, come with such a hard shell? I mean, I think it's just stiff upper lip. It's kind of like, just get on with it. It's like, we don't need to say, I love you all the time. We show our love through, a, you know, attentiveness, I guess, or attention or, you know, presence. Um, and I don't know, it's just a kind of like, it's, it's just the culture. It's just kind of like manly men and we don't talk about feelings and we don't show emotions. We just get on with it. We yeah. go out and kill the bear and <laughs> we, we, we deal with that. But you know what? All of the studies now and all the science and you know that's coming out of it is showing that that's not healthy. It's actually not healthy to not express your emotions or, or to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And this time last year, I had a bit of a midlife crisis and got very sad for about six weeks and questioned everything and who am I, what am I doing? And, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of that was not expressing myself, not telling people that I loved them, not telling, not sharing with people my, what I was scared about, my insecurities, hiding myself. Um, it was challenging. You know, I did a couple of self-development programs where I broke down in front of, you know, 15 to 30 people and cried in front of them. And, I had to have healing conversations with my brother and my mother. I mean, I didn't have to. I got to. I, was, I should check my language. But, um, you know, and one of those things was hugging, hugging my father. That was huge. So I think now we're realizing that vulnerability and sharing and opening up is a far healthier way than, the, than what I, at least I was taught, which is just get on with it and don't show emotion. And, you know, as a man, I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be really difficult for, for, for men growing up in Australia that are, that are not, quote, unquote, like, guys guys you know mm. like because for example i'm not like i'm not a guys guy i don't play any sports i don't know anything about sports i've always been more into culture and art and music and you know every f- gym class and you know growing up throughout my my early schooling years i would hang out with the girls mm. instead of the guys you know and um and so yeah that's got to be kind of frustrating if you are sensitive and empathetic and have you mm. know cultured tastes as a, as a male growing up in Australia. You know what's funny? I went to an all-boys private school in Brisbane, Australia. 
and it was a rugby school, right? And I played rugby and I played cricket, but rugby was like, you know, the main sport there. And that's a really man's man kind of kind of sport. And I remember I joined the choir, the school choir, <laughs> one semester to go and learn, and I got ridiculed. Like I got called, oh, you wanker, and you're, you know, all this kind of stuff. I was like, okay, that's the end of that. I'm not going to go join the choir, and I'm not going to go join the music class, right? So everyone, everything was about rugby, rugby, rugby. The irony of the whole thing is that all the, the women in the world fall in love with the greatest singers and the rock stars, right? Like, yeah. And the guy who's like learning guitar and taking the singing lessons at school while all the other guys are playing rugby, they're the ones that go out and be super successful making millions of dollars and having the women fall at their feet. It's true. It's so crazy. <laughs> Which is what you clearly have now going for your max, right? No. Women falling at your feet. No, <laughs> uh, not, not quite. I mean, you know, some, but... Uh... No, I do. I uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I um. I think that I I because growing up in high school, I was very shy around girls that I was attracted to. You know, like I, I had a lot of female friends, but if I actually like liked a girl, I would I would get really shy and insecure, and um and that you know I definitely still have like some of that. Mm. But uh, but no, I'm you know I mean I've got a lot of female followers and I love women and. Yeah, enough about me. <laughs> um, but I, I'm super excited to uh, to talk to you about alcohol-free living because this is something that you're super passionate about, and you've really kind of like hung your hat on this as a, you know, you, you speak about it all around the world. You've got this incredible course on you know helping people um, titrate down their alcohol consumption and, and begin an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why is this so important to you? Well, I was a social drinker. I mean, I grew up in Australia, like we were just talking about, where drinking is so part of the culture. And, you know, with friends, it's like, oh, come around and have a backyard barbecue on a Sunday afternoon and have a few beers. Or you catch up for a drink. Hey, let's meet up for a couple of drinks. Oh, yeah, let's go to the sport and watch the drink. You know, have a few drinks. And it was just ingrained in me that that's what you do, right? And so I did. I drank like that right up until my mid-30s. I was never an alcoholic. I was just what society would call a societally acceptable drinker. One or two drinks a night, maybe a few times a week, on the weekends, sometimes maybe I'd get drunk, but for the most part, just drinking how most people drink. But what I realized is that it was slowing me down. I'd put on a little bit of weight. My sleep wasn't great. I was living life at like a six out of 10. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't outstanding. And I remember I woke up, one morning, it was, I was, it was 2010, I was in Austin, Texas at the South by Southwest Festival. And I went to an industry party on a Friday night. I only had two drinks. I had two gin and tonics, two Bombay Sapphire gin and tonics. And I went back to my hotel, went to sleep. When I woke up in the morning, I just tasted the, 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 the gin in my mouth. And I looked in the mirror and I was just weathered looking. You know, like I had some wrinkles, my, I had bags under my eyes. I, I'd put on some weight. Like It wasn't like it happened overnight. It just gradually crept up over about 12 to 18 months where I put on like 25 pounds. And I remember looking in the mirror just going, you're just average. You're just like a six out of 10. Like, yeah, you got friends and you, you, know, you could make decent money, but your health's pretty average and you're drinking and your sleep's not good and you're kind of not really excelling at anything. And I remember just saying, you know what, I'm going to take 30 days off drinking here just to see how I feel. And so I did. I committed to taking 30 days off. And in 30 days, I lost 13 pounds. My skin improved almost overnight. 
I slept better. I had more energy, more clarity, more focus. I had an opportunity to audition for a job um, a hosting sports center on ESPN. Wow. And because I had the clarity and the focus and the vision and because I wasn't drinking, I just went for that job and I flew to Bristol, Connecticut and I auditioned and I got the job and I became a sports center anchor on ESPN for two years, which was like a dream. Wow. And I credit not drinking at that time to really, you know, helping me get that job. And what was really interesting is that I started attracting a much higher caliber of person into my life. Now, I didn't cut off my friends who were, who were drinking and and weren't as health conscious but i just naturally started gravitating towards a healthier energetically higher type of person and they started naturally just appearing in in my life gravitating towards me and anyway after 30 days i just said i feel so damn good i'm going to keep going and going and going and i literally have not touched a drop of alcohol since then 2010 so you ask me why do i do this well because since i quit drinking I got my dream job hosting a TV show. I lost the 25 pounds. I've got the body that nature intended me to always have. I sleep great. I got clarity, focus, energy. I got wonderful friends. Uh, I do what I want to do. I create health products. I got health businesses. Um, I got amazing energy. And I have the most fun out on the town with people who are drinking while me drinking soda water, ice, and a piece of lime. Yeah, that's amazing. And now, you know, now it's, it's, you know, I'm inspired to inspire other people to quit either for at least 30 days. I have a program called 30 Day No Alcohol Challenge, which helps people quit for 30 days. And then another program called Project 90, which specifically helps entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives quit drinking for at least 90 days. And people's lives completely transform, completely from just going alcohol free. Because what it does is when you go alcohol-free, it opens up a cascade of other healthy habits. When I quit alcohol, all of a sudden, I started learning what paleo was. I didn't even know what the word paleo was. So I started eating paleo lifestyle. Then I started like, oh, should I try meditation? Okay, I'll try this Vipassana. All right. Oh, now it's like, oh, I'll try, I'll try uh, Bulletproof or you know, healthy fats. Connecting, conversations with people. So when you get rid of one bad habit, a whole host of healthy habits open up to you. I love that. Why do you think people drink? I mean, it's it's ingrained in us from from day one. It's been around for centuries. And do you know what the word alcohol actually means? No. It's an Arabic term. Alk-kahul. And what it means is body-eating spirit. No way. Body-eating spirit. Wow. So alcohol, we know, literally eats away at you. Right, it's a spirit that's eating away at you. It's why we call you know hard drinks spirits. Wow! Right? Yeah, it's not good for you. <laughs> Even moderation, it's not good for you. The World Health Organization actually came out, I think, two years ago and said there is not one amount of alcohol that is that gives any benefits to you whatsoever. Hmm. And all these people say, oh, but hang on, this study came out in France saying that you know a glass of wine a day is really good for your cardiovascular system, it's really good for your health. That has been so debunked now over the last couple of decades hmm. that, that is just, it's preposterous. And a very, very clever marketer somewhere at one time created the idea that we're going to associate alcohol with fun. We're going to associate champagne with celebration. Now, what do we do at a wedding, Max? 
when we toast the, the bride and the groom? Well, we toast with champagne. Yeah. We have to have champagne. It's a celebration. Right. Who says that champagne is what you drink when you celebrate? Yeah. A marketer. A marketer. A very clever marketer somewhere said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to associate champagne with celebration. So now you win a boat race, you win a thing, you celebrate, your child's born. Let's have some champagne. It's a poison. It's a toxin. It's keeping you stressed and anxious. Right? Who created the idea we're going to like, you know what we'll do? Let's associate beer with, with guys and like camaraderie and having fun and watching football. That's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. So they create this beer. And now you see it in the Super Bowl commercials, right? Or football commercials. It's all goofy guys sitting around drinking cans of beer, Coors Light, Bud Light, having fun. And the idea is that drink this product and you'll be part of a tribe and you'll fit in. And this is just what blokey blows blokey guys do and then you've got this ridiculous billboard that george clooney like george clooney and randy gerber created a tequila company Mm. um and there's this billboard on sunset boulevard and it's it's george clooney on a motorcycle with a black leather jacket kind of looking back looking really suave and really (laughs) freaking cool and in the bottom right corner there's like this bottle of his tequila brand and the idea is that if you drink this tequila You'll be cool and suave <laughs> by George Clooney. Wow. You make it all sound so ridiculous. Like, it's just such a farce <laughs> marketing. You're like, oh my God. You're it's a right. farce. Yeah. It has no nutritional benefit to you whatsoever. Now, bear in mind, I grew up drinking and thinking it was cool to drink and, and convincing myself that it tasted good. And people say, oh, but yeah, but what about it? like having a nice glass of red wine over dinner with friends? I'm like, well, who actually created the idea that you have to have alcohol or drink poison in order to have a good dinner with friends? <laughs> Can't you just have a good dinner with friends? Right. <laughs> I call them smiling assassins, right? Like the waiter who comes over to you or the waitress to get you seated. It's like, oh, hi, can I get you started with some drinks? <laughs> and they're smiling, right? I call them a smiling assassin. What they're effectively saying is, can I get you started with some poison? Wow. May I get you started with some lovely poison that's going to make you sleep poorly tonight, wake, make you wake up feeling like crap, put wrinkles on your face, uh, create stress and anxiety, and then you know what we're going to do? We're going to create withdrawal symptoms from this very poison, so later on tomorrow night, you're going to want to have a glass of wine or a beer at the end of the day to seemingly reduce your stress and anxiety so you feel good, and then the cycle continues. Wow, I'm never going to respond to... Uh, I'm never going to look at a waiter the same way again <laughs> after this. Well, wh- okay, so what about... Just to play devil's advocate a little bit. What about the well-known like disinhibition aspect of drinking? The fact that it acts for many like a, a, a social lubricant? Mm-hmm. You know, and we know that loneliness is essentially a toxin. And, you know, some people that feel uh, socially... Um, you know, whether it's social pressure or wanting to connect and feeling a little bit kind of maybe anxious about it, alcohol is a, is a great way to lubricate those interactions. What you're effectively saying is that it's a numbing agent. Hmm. It's a numbing agent. So you don't have to feel awkward or insecure. So rather than you facing your awkwardness or your insecurity or your loneliness... You would rather self-medicate or you'd rather 
pour a poison into you and numb that feeling. Mm. So all you are doing is just pushing, kicking the can down the road. Yeah. Right? All you're doing is just numbing yourself. This is what millions and millions of people around the world do every single night. They come home and rather than having a conversation with their children or connecting with their wife or their husband or their friends or whatever and being healthy, mm-hmm. they sit down and they pour themselves a glass of wine and they turn on the television set, right? So can you feel more confident from drinking alcohol? Sure, you can, right? It lubricates you, it opens up, it l- you lose your inhibitions, right? But at what cost? At what cost? And the cost is is that you're never going to be happy with yourself. You'll never be able to learn the communication skills that you need to learn in order to have an authentic, vulnerable, and integrity relationship with anyone. And you'll just continue numbing yourself with this toxin and this poison for the rest of your life and never really get to know anyone and never really communicate with anyone and never really be able to overcome your fears and insecurities and just hide them and mask them and cover them up. I have complete empathy for people who feel like that because I've gone through that myself. I mean, I, some, I could actually argue that I cover up my own insecurities by exercising as much as I do. Like, I love to exercise. I know it's, it's super healthy for me, but, you know, it gives me a body that I like, that I want, that makes me feel confident. And, you know, I can say that I exercise, so I feel good. Right, And so I can present myself well. And so I feel good in my body. So I get it. But at what cost? At what cost are you going to put this toxin and poison into you and cover up all the things that are going on in your life? It's definitely, a lot, I think, a lot smarter to, to, to challenge yourself to cultivate those skills of social connection and vulnerability. Yeah. A hundred percent. And one of the things that I that I coach on in my programs is how to go to a bar or how to go to a restaurant with other people who are encouraging you to drink mm. or how to do a business deal or entertain clients if you're an entrepreneur or business owner when everything is around, oh, let's go and have, have the business dinner and we'll, we'll have some drinks. Oh, we're going out tonight. Come on. Like, there's this whole thing of client entertainment, right? If yeah. you're in a, in a business. So I coach people on on realizing that you're not depriving yourself of anything when you choose to go alcohol-free. You're giving yourself a gift, and the gift is outstanding health. Mm-hmm. And there's a direct correlation between how much money you make as well. Like if, you, if you're drinking even one seemingly innocent glass of wine a night, that may be costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost revenue. Because mm. if you're drinking, just say you're a normal societally, you, just say you're not an alcoholic, and you're just a drinker, right? You just yeah, have a drink or two each night. You go out on the weekends, have a bit more. No big deal. If that drinking is meaning that you're only a 7 out of 10 or a 6.5 or a 7 out of 10 in your productivity and efficiency in your business or your job, and you make, say, $100,000 a year, okay? So let's say you're a 6 out of 10 in, in productivity and efficiency and you make $100,000 a year. Now, if you go alcohol-free... And now you're operating at a 9 out of 10 because you have clarity, focus, energy, you're sleeping well, you're thinking more, you're making an additional phone call each day, you're doing an additional deal, you're impressing your boss a little bit more so you get a raise in promotion. Now you're operating a 9 out of 10. From a 6 out of 10 to a 9 out of 10 in a job could be a twenty, thirty, thirty thousand dollars a year raise because mm. your boss goes, you've been doing great, you get a promotion. Mm. 30 grand. In a business, wow, that could mean $100,000 or a million dollars. 
if you own a, own a business and you're a six out of 10 and you're producing $100,000 in revenue, imagine what you can produce at a nine out of 10. You do another deal, which is worth another 50,000 or 100,000. You do another product, you start another business. Now the money starts flowing into you. So people don't realize what is actually costing them financially. It's not the money that you hand over to buy the alcohol that you consume. Right. It's the money that you are not generating as a lost opportunity because you're not operating at a nine out of 10. Right. That makes sense. So how do we then diffuse or deflect social pressure? Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, I think a lot of people drink because when they're at the bar, it's easier just to say, yeah, I'll, you know, g g order me the wine versus, no, it's okay, I'm not going to drink tonight. And then, like, facing the, the awkward response that your friend gives you because, you know, or, the, or that your yeah. coworker, coworker gives you because it's such a socially accepted norm. Yeah. I, this is the number one question I get in the 30-day no alcohol challenge and, and in Project 90. How do I navigate these social situations? And what I say is this, the the way that you share that you are alcohol-free is far more important than the actual words that you say explaining why you're alcohol-free. Mm. So I'll give you two scenarios, okay? Someone says, oh, can I get you a drink? Oh, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm actually not drinking at the moment. Oh, really? Why not? Oh, I can't. I'm taking a break and it's just, yeah, no, no, I'm going to quit for 30 days and yeah. Oh, go on. Just have one. You'll be okay. Oh, no, I can't. I can't. No, I'm not drinking. So that, in that first scenario, it's all doom and gloom, right? And you are telling yourself that you're depriving yourself of something fun and pleasurable because you're saying, I have to quit. Like, I can't, I can't drink. And your whole body language and the tonality is down. And now the person who's encouraging you to drink is seeing this going, why is he depriving himself of something pleasurable and fun? Go on, just have one. And now it's this big deal. Yeah. Here's scenario two. Hey, can I get you a drink? No, nah, no, nah, I'm good actually. I'm not, I'm not drinking at the moment. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, no, I'm just like, I've been feeling great. I'm choosing to go alcohol-free, but I'm going to get drunk on this soda water tonight. In fact, I'm going to go head-to-head -head with you. I'm going to drink you under the table. For every wine that you have, I'm going to go head-to-head -head with you on this soda water. I'm going to swing from the rafters tonight. Watch me dance. Something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, the way that you, the way that you articulate that you're alcohol-free in that scenario is fun and light and confident it's not like, oh, I can't drink. I'm not drinking. I don't get to drink. It's like, I'm alcohol free. I'm loving it. And I'm going to drink this water and I'm going to drink this soda water. And you know what? I'm realizing I've lost some weight on this. And I'm loving it. I think I might even go for like 90 days. I actually might even go a year. Hmm. But you go ahead. Keep, you drink your <laughs> wine, drink your beer. I'm good on this soda water. I'm right? good. I'm good. Yeah. And you say it with a smile on your face and make fun of yourself as well. Like, it's okay to make fun of yourselves. Like, yeah, you know, I drank too much. And, oh, yeah, I'm just taking a break right now. But, whoa, I'm going to go crazy on this water. Watch me. <laughs> like, just have a bit of fun with it. The way that with which you share your alcohol-free is so much more important than what you actually say. Yeah. One sends the message. Scenario two sends the message that you're complete already without the alcohol. And scenario one you're basically telling your friend that you feel incomplete. You're doing this sort of like, uh, I guess a similar, you know, analog would be you're starting a diet. And that's one of the reasons why diets fail so consistently, right? It's like, oh, I got to, I'm on this diet. I'm like, it's making me really miserable. And no empathetic human being that's bearing witness to, to that testimony is going to want anything but to improve your scenario by 
you know, giving you the free pass to break your diet or to have that drink, right? Whereas in scenario two, or when you make po any positive lifestyle change, right? Like eating healthier and you make yourself sound complete, like you're excited, you're enthusiastic about it. I just feel like, yeah, it, it sends a, I don't know, it's, it probably speaks to the mirror neurons in the other person in a way that makes them want to support you as opposed to them helping to enable cheating, for example. Yeah, and that's what a lot of my coaching is around is rewiring the brain so you no longer think that you're depriving yourself of something by choosing to go alcohol-free. You're choosing outstanding health and your outstanding life by being alcohol-free. Yes, and the smiling assassins, you know, who've got your, you know, many times have got your best interests at heart. Like they just don't understand or whatever. And sometimes they don't have your best interests at heart. The smiling assassins can't hurt you. Right. The smiling assassins who are like, oh, can I get you a drink? Oh, let's have some drinks. Oh, come over. Let me get you a drink. You just smile right back at them. You just smile right back. You just completely diffuse it. And when they see that, they drop it. And they don't drop it from a like, oh, they're butt hurt kind of thing, like you're not drinking. They drop it from a like, oh, cool, awesome. And then yeah. you, just, you just move on. You yeah. Know? It's one thing to be able to, uh, you know, deflect that social pressure when you're hanging out with your buddies or your girlfriend or even maybe a coworker. But how does the alcohol-free lifestyle, how is that compatible with dating? Because mm -hmm. I, I feel that for many people, alcohol is just a must when it comes to like going on a date and connecting with somebody for the first time. Cause first dates are, are awkward, right? They don't get less awkward without the alcohol. They can be. I think it's a generalization to say that first dates are awkward. They can be, <laughs> <laughs> they can be speaking for myself. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get this a lot as well. So a couple things, let, let me give let me, let me, uh, let me, um, slap around single guys right now who who feel like they need a drink in order to have a first date with a woman mm -hmm. okay if you feel you need a drink to have a date with a woman then you have no natural game <laughs> <laughs> i i don't think i don't have any natural game <laughs> i and and i don't actually drink uh i don't i don't really drink um very often you know occasionally i'll have like a glass of wine but the proportion of times that i do drink they are first dates is overwhelmingly um, when I when I do have that like glass mm. of wine you know so here, so here, a couple of things um, and I haven't drunk in nine years and uh, you know I've been I've got, gone out on dates and I first of all this is almost going to be like a dating podcast episode now <laughs> isn't it like how to date here's the thing as a man right I realize we're talking to men and women but as a man I rarely if ever organize a first date to be at a bar or a restaurant. I'm always, let's go for a walk and make it a daytime date, right? So I'm like, let's go for a walk. So if you're in New York, it's the greatest city in the world to go, go on a date. If you're in Los Angeles, it's the greatest city. You just go to Venice Beach or Santa Monica or whatever. But I'll say, hey, let's meet, let's meet up. Do you want to go for a, for a hike? Do you want to go for a juice? How about I meet you at the, at the juice bar and we can have a little walk around? It's always daytime. I hate the nighttime stuff because what happens? You meet at a bar. It's like it's like an interrogation. You kind of like uh, it's like a job interview. Mm -hmm. The only thing worse than meeting in a bar, I think, is a restaurant for dinner. Because yeah. now you're sitting opposite one another. I hate those those kinds of dates. Yeah, they're the worst. Yeah. So so a couple things. Um, 
if you want to go alcohol free and you're and you're a man and you're looking to invite a, a woman out on a date, organize a daytime date and go for a walk. Like it's a great way to get to know someone. There's lots of visual stimuli. You're walking around. You're out in the sun. There's exercise. Like it's it's it, it's it's fantastic. Um, and that'll t- that'll remove this whole thing. I need a drink. I need a drink. Um, and if you're a woman and you get asked out by a man, I'm assuming here that you know a man's courting a woman and, and inviting a woman out less than a woman asking a guy out. If you're a woman and you get invited out by a man and he says, "Oh, let's let's meet up for a drink," then your response can be anything you want. But the truth is always the best. And it's like, oh, that's yeah, sure, no problem. Just so you know, like I'm alcohol free, but we can meet at we can meet at the bar. That's okay. But I'll I'll be drinking soda water. Just want to let you know. Now, if he like is like, what? What are you talking about? And puts pressure on you or feels uncomfortable with that, I would say that he's not a, an appropriate fit for you, hmm. right? Um, and you could also suggest to the guy, say, oh, look, um, thank you so much for inviting me out. I'd love to see you. I'm not really a drinker, so. I, Maybe we could do like a daytime thing instead or um, you want to meet for a juice or something. Like it's okay for you to come back at him and, and suggest, an al- suggest an alternative. Yeah. Um, the other thing is if you're actually on the date and you're meeting out for drinks or dinner or whatever and you've arranged to do that and the other person's like, oh, can I get you a drink? You just say, oh, I'm alcohol free. I'm actually not drinking at the moment or I don't drink. Have a soda water, but you go, you know, you go right ahead. Now, if that person who's the other date then is like, what are you talking about? And feels deflated and is kind of like, whatever. Again, I would argue they're not the right right fit for you. Um, you definitely do not want to lecture the other person. <laughs> you don't want to be smug. You don't want to be patronizing because you're so cool because you're alcohol-free. So you want to make sure that they feel comfortable to drink in front of you and you feel comfortable with them drinking, right? And also, the other thing is, is that people worry about the other person thinking that they're an alcoholic because they say they're not drinking. Because you don't have to be an alcoholic in order to choose to go alcohol-free, right? But here's the thing. People say, oh, I'm worried that this guy's going to think that I'm a heavy drinker because I'm choosing not to drink. In actual fact, what my experience has been and what a lot of the people I coach tell me is that the people who realize that you're not drinking now want to elevate themselves to a higher level now they're like trying to impress you because they're like wow look at this person who's so health conscious and so confident and so in tune with their own body that they don't need drinking to socialize or to be in this date like they're just being them their inside their internal story is not like oh this person must be an alcoholic what a loser i'm not going to date this person their internal story tends to be wow this man i gotta step up my game here uh, this first person's like on another level. So you 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 actually have the power. Yeah, man. So uh, so useful. Thank you for for all this uh, really helpful information. Is it is it? I mean, for people that graduate your course and that you coach, is it? Do you tend to promote like an all or nothing mentality about it, or do you you know what if somebody like can somebody ever? drink moderately or is is it you know like how rigid is the is the mindset that you try to instill in your in your clients yeah so in in a 30-day no alcohol challenge program that i've had for four years i say this quit for 30 days and see how you feel from that point on you can go back to drinking and people do but the people who go back to drinking go back at a far more 
moderate level than when before. Hmm. Many people also just say, this is phenomenal. I love it. I'm just going to keep on going. And they keep on going. And they keep on going. I've had one guy who's now... I, I launched 30 Day No Alcohol Challenge on Super Bowl Sunday 2015. I'll, I'll never forget. It was Super Bowl Sunday 2015. And he joined like two weeks after I started it. And he, he messages me all the time. I'm four years alcohol free. Wow. So some people choose to, to, to go on and some people go back. Listen, I'm not saying that alcohol is the devil, even though it has no nutritional benefits to <laughs> right. us. Why, right? It has nothing. And ethanol is a neurotoxin. Yeah. But too much of it does. And, and one seemingly innocent glass of wine every night that you think is not doing any damage to you, just one seemingly innocent glass of wine or one beer or whatever, could be costing you your health, your finances, your relationships, your happiness level. So, to answer your question, what I coach is quit drinking for 30 days, see how it feels. Make your own choice from there. Most people who do the 30-day no alcohol challenge do go back to some drinking, but like it's just it's it's such an insignificant part of their life thereafter. People who do Project 90, which is more for the business owners, executives, and, and, and professionals, they have to commit to 90 days alcohol-free, and then they get to choose whether they're going to go back. And so far, all but I think one or two people have just continued to stay alcohol-free wow. in Project 90. And the idea is, again, the idea is not to get to 90 days and go, oh, I got to 90 days, and now I get, now I get to drink. Right. By that stage, we've rewired your brain into, th into looking at alcohol as the complete opposite hmm. of something that you desire or want. Yeah. Right? I love that. So, it's ba so basically, if you want to take 30 days to, to, to do this challenge, it's not just about making it to day 30 without having had a drink. It's about during those 30 days, cultivating the habits and skills that are going to set you up for an alcohol-free lifestyle. It's about actually proactively probably, right? Like going to the bars with your friends and cultivating those social skills so that you can totally have a great time without any alcohol, going on dates during the, that 30-day window and and cultivating an ability to connect with another person without you know having to use alcohol as a crutch. 100%. Wow. You said that beautifully, yeah. It's, yeah, like you said, it's not like you get to 30 days and you go and celebrate with a drink. <laughs> right. The celebration is an alcohol-free lifestyle. The celebration is that you live the way that nature intended you to live. Nature didn't intend us to be drinking this alcohol. Yeah. Right? It didn't... It, it, this is a man-made thing. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And when I'm finished with it, you get to the end of 30 days or you get to the end of 90 days and you're like, I'm going to keep on going because mm. I love this. Mm. Here's the thing. Nobody really wants to quit alcohol. People just want all the benefits that come from quitting alcohol. And you know what the benefits are? You lose weight. You got more energy. You have greater clarity, focus. You get better looking. Just a warning. You do get better looking when you go alcohol-free because all the toxins leave your skin. Yeah. It's amazing how many people say, wow, you look so good. Like, what's going on? Like, you just look so much different. The other thing is, is that now you're no longer irritable. Like Drinking makes you irritable. You snap at your kids, you snap at your wife, your husband, your friends. 
when you're alcohol free, you just feel good all the time. So you're less likely to snap at someone. So yeah. now your relationships improve. When your relationships improve, your happiness level goes up. When your happiness level goes up, all of the studies show that happy people make more money. When you make more money, you have more opportunities. You can travel more, you have greater connection, you get rock star dates versus like, you know, yeah. crappy dates. You just start attracting a higher caliber of person. As you're like, I don't think that you and I would have met Max if I, you know, I don't think, like energetically, you and I were attracted to each other in our, in our circle, right? Mm-hmm. You're into health, I'm into health. Yeah. I forget how we met. Oh, we met at the Bulletproof Conference, right? You interviewed yeah. me. Yes. Is that, that's right. I was a contributing uh, reporter for Yahoo Health and I interviewed you about this back then. And I just thought you were a, you were such a great voice in the uh, in the space, and you were also speaking at the conference. Yeah, as well. speaking, yeah, yeah on yeah. this topic, yeah. yeah. But like you and I wouldn't have met. Like think about it, everything that hap- that needed to happen in order for you and I to become friends. Yeah. I had to quit alcohol, which I did. I had to become an authoritative figure on it, which I had become. I was speaking at Bulletproof. Right. And then you were a health interviewer who interviewed me about this. It's true. Now, in your life, what needed to happen in order for you to be at that conference and to be in the health world? Well, in my life, I had to, well, so many things. I basically dedicated my life to teaching and helping others live a healthier lifestyle and, uh, and, and understanding science and nutrition and how to um, reduce the, the burden of chronic disease and the risk for chronic disease with a focus on, on Alzheimer's and, and dementia and you know, cognitive mediocrity and, and basically everything that I've done in my life, you know, is, uh, fits within that constellation. Yeah. For the past, I don't know, eight years at this point. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that led to me interviewing you being a reporter at Yahoo health, which was one of my earliest, one of the, one of the, the earliest things that I actually got paid to do, um, you know, in the health space. Because for a while, I, I, I had sacrificed my own income. I was like, I'm just going to like do the work, focus on the research, you know, d- gaining a, a bulletproof sense of understanding about these topics that I wanted to, to, to communicate. And yeah, then I was hired for that job. And that led me to that conference, which, you know, I mean, the, definitely a fun conference. Um, and aside from meeting you, it it actually had connected me with two other people that have become very close friends of mine. So it's a funny, it's interesting that when you and I met, I also met because I interviewed him, Crosby Taylor, who's another very good friend of mine who's been on my podcast a number of times, and Emily Fletcher, who was one of my most recent episodes about meditation. So yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love the health and wellness industry so much because I just love the people that it puts me in contact with. Yeah. Um, You being one of them. Thank you, yeah. But see how it all came together? Well, yeah. I think it's, li- you know, like attracts like, you know. And, yeah. and when you wear your passion on your sleeve and when you're dedicated to a noble aim, um, I think that it's, uh, you know, doors open and, and, and there's a, a magnetism that connects you with people that are similar and that 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 see potential in you and want to help you and mm. um yeah and so and it's, even, a, it's a beautiful thing and even if you even if you're not dedicated to something like right even if you're just alcohol free 
and and I guess you're health conscious, yeah. you will naturally attract other people who are either alcohol free or alcohol is not a necessary part of their life. Yeah. Who are also health conscious. And then you just start that your universe just starts to shift all of a sudden. Now you start attracting people where health and happiness and relationships and vulnerability and connection start to be the norm versus the rarity. Mm. Yeah. Do you drink kombucha? (laughs) I mean, no, I don't drink kombucha, no. Because of the the alcohol? No, I mean, maybe, (laughs) maybe. I don't know why, I just don't drink it. (laughs) I don't know. How much alcohol is in it? Uh, It's like 2%. Two percent, less than that, probably. Actually, yeah, yeah. No, I don't drink. Well, enough that now you get carded. Really? Um, Yeah, I think it's higher than point five percent. I don't actually know. I I know it's very small. I mean, I've never felt a buzz from drinking kombucha. Yeah, but no, I drink eleven dollar fifty green juices from Air One supermarket (laughs) in Venice. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. They have a twenty dollar smoothie there now. Yeah, there's this supermarket called Air One, which is like the (laughs) world's healthiest supermarket, right? There's one in West Hollywood, there's one in Venice Beach where I live. It's called called the Green Goddess. It's $18 and then you add taxes like 20 bucks. What the hell are they putting in that thing? It's pretty good, to be fair. Is it? Yeah, but when you have it, because it's so green and it's got so much green stuff in it, (laughs) when I see other people drinking it, their teeth go all green. Oh, God. So it's not a good look afterwards. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I'll tell you what I do drink. I drink a ton of water and there's some water is better than others and I drink a ton of soda water and then I like LaCroix, which is like a um, canned kind of flavored water and then Z, is it Zevia, Z-E-V-I-A is a brand. Yeah. These are all brands that are um, really good, they're like they're, 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 they taste good, Yeah. they're flavorsome. And my favorite drink when I go to a bar, restaurant, is always just water, ice, and a piece of lime. I get the piece of lime and I squeeze it and stir it around and it's a delicious drink and it's refreshing. I tend to have the most fun of anyone. I'm engaging. I just commit to having the most fun of anyone. And then the good thing is is that, well, if other people are drinking, say, two or three glasses over a dinner and you drink two or three glasses of water, you're hydrating yourself. Mm-hmm. When you go home and you go to sleep, like your skin loves you for that. And when you wake up in the morning, they've actually done a study. It was a study in the UK that showed people who drank had a 42% more visible signs of wrinkles on their face the morning after than those who didn't, which is why I joked before, like you do get better looking. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I don't uh, drink. Like if people, I, 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 I probably drink, um, let me try to quantify Probably once or twice a month, mm. and and if I drink, I will drink, you know, either like a glass of red wine, ideally organic, um, or, you know, maybe I don't know. I was gonna say maybe some tequila, but that to me is like once or twice a year. Like I really don't. I I, I drink very infrequently. Mm. Um, and there was actually a recent study that came out finding that even in organic uh, beers and wines, there is there are significant levels of glyphosate. They mm. found glyphosate contamination in in beer and wine, mm. which is obviously no bueno. It's a it's a it's an herbicide, potential endocrine disruptor, very frequently used on uh, you know conventionally grown produce. Yeah, got so, it. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I definitely noticed in in college and in my in most of my twenties, I would drink 
pretty liberally. I mean, I was I was also never an alcoholic, and I was always very health conscious. People people know that, but um, but yeah, come Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, you know, two, three, four drinks, easy. And that's been I haven't you know drank at that level for oh my god over a decade at this point. Now mm. I barely I barely drink. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm I actually prefer not drinking. I don't like the way alcohol makes me feel. Mm. For me, alcohol is um, it's it's. It can be kind of a coin toss. I, you know, sometimes it doesn't even make me, like, sometimes it can punctuate, I, I, I find, you know, a moment for me. But most of the time, it actually acts like a depressant. Like, it makes me tired. It actually reduces, it makes me feel worse. And I've learned that. That's something that I've, like, accepted as true. And that's, I just, I think about that, you know, aside from the fact that alcohol is a, is a, is a toxin, you know, in and of itself. But that m- most of the time, it doesn't make me feel good, and I can't really predict when it's going to make me feel good. And I certainly hate having hangovers. I, you know, I much prefer to wake up early in the morning, and get to the gym, you know, work on on a on a project, be creative. I mean, you know, hangovers are are the worst. Yeah, w- when you drink, it actually creates a temporary, illusionary feeling of pleasure. Yeah. And you mistake it for think you mistake it for pleasure, but it's actually all it's doing is uh, reducing your withdrawal symptoms yeah. from alcohol. So let's just say you drink, then you wake up the next day, and now you're trying to get through to five thirty six o'clock when the day's over, so you can have your end of day drink. Mm. You think this it's relieving you of stress and anxiety, yeah. but it's not. It's a t- it gives you this. You drink the the drink, and you feel a little bit better, right? But it's temporary and it's illusionary. Yeah, right. All you're doing is satisfying your withdrawal symptoms from from alcohol. Yeah, it's from, te- and it's also not guaranteed. Like you're not you you might not necessarily feel better. You know, some people do, but some people I think alcohol. I don't know. I mean, just speaking for myself, alcohol does not always make me feel better. Sometimes it makes me feel really crappy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, I'm somewhat of become somewhat of a sleep expert recently as well, and I can tell you that alcohol, people think, oh, if I have a drink, it helps me relax, helps me go to sleep. Yeah. Now that may actually be true, and the fact that it does, it might actually relax you a little bit. However, it severely compromises the quality of your sleep. Mm. So you don't spend as much time in that deep REM restorative phase, which is why you can sleep seven or eight hours, which is what they say we should sleep, but you wake up still feeling tired and lethargic. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with, you know, just having that seemingly innocent drink the night before compromises your sleep. Mm. Yeah, no, not good. Not good. Man, you make me want to give up alcohol forever. (laughs) Don't give up alcohol forever. Choose to be alcohol-free forever. Yes. That's a big distinction as well yeah. as part of the coaching. It's like I have these Project 90 members and they're always like, oh, I got to... They start off in like week one. Yeah. And they're like, I got to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm like, no. Yeah. Let's, we're eliminating this language. We're yeah. going to change our language, right? Yeah. We are choosing to easily only drink water, ice, and a piece of lime. Mm-hmm. I easily only drink soda water. You don't even say the word alcohol. Right. Right? I think the quit smoking campaign has it all wrong. Like, uh, they do great work. They try to get people to quit smoking, right? But if they just stopped saying quit smoking and started saying, I only easily breathe fresh air. Yeah. 
clean, fresh, beautiful, delicious air. Yeah. The ho- everyone would everyone would quit. Right. Not everyone, but like yeah. ten times more people would quit, right? I'll give you I'll give you an example. Can I give you an example right now yes. of how this works? Yes. Okay, you and the listener, if you're listening to this, close your eyes for a second. Just com- Max, close your eyes. They're okay. closed. Do not think about a pink elephant. I'm thinking about a pink elephant. Exactly. <laughs> you can open your eyes. Now, I told you not to, to think about a pink elephant. Right. And you thought about a pink elephant. Yeah. So when I tell you not to drink, or you tell yourself not to drink, what are you going to do? You're going to think about drinking. Right. And so you're more likely to drink. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah. I call this the pink elephant theory. Wow. In Project 90 and 30 Day No Alcohol Challenge. Brilliant. But if you then change that and instead you say, I easily only drink soda water. Yeah. That's all I drink. I drink water. Yeah. I only breathe in fresh air. I only, fresh air. Yeah. Only fluids that are going to nurture and hydrate me and provide health benefits. I actually, that's, you know, it's it's funny. I, it's a... That's a, a mentality that I, I think, use in Genius Foods. You know, it's it's not a doom and gloom book so much as it is, you know, a book that uh, compels you to only easily eat foods that are nourishing and that are going to build your brain and help give you the best tools that yeah. your body needs to, you know, repair damaged DNA, fend off oxidative stress, build healthy new brain cells, reduce fat mass on your body. It's uh, it is powerful. Actually, um, so that's a that's a wonderful strategy. Mm. Just choose what you will do. Yeah, just choose what you will do. Choose what you will do. See, James, I knew that you would add a ton of value to my listeners. You're the man. Thank you, thank you. Sorry, I don't have a doctor in front of my name. <laughs> well, neither do I. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so I've got one last question uh, to ask you before we um, run out of time. But before I get to that, where can listeners connect with you? Um, Online. Thank you. Yeah. So, and learn more about your work. Well, if you're interested in quitting alcohol for just 30 days, then 30daynoalcoholchallenge.com. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur, executive, or a business owner, and you're ready to commit to be alcohol free for at least 90 days, but, but, but probably for at least six months or a year and even forever, yeah. then uh, reach out to me at jameswanwick.com slash project 90 that program's called project 90 and then you can get me on instagram send me a dm if you're listening now and you want to ask a question about anything to do with alcohol just send me a dm i love answering questions there and it's just at james swanwick my last name is spelled s-w-a-n-w-i-c-k it's pronounced swanwick but americans never get the pronunciation (laughs) right you got it right actually you said james swanwick swanwick but most americans don't understand that that silent W. So I'm, I, they was like, is it Swanwick? Is it Swanwick? <laughs> I'm like, it's Swanwick. And then I just gave up. I said, yes, yeah, Swanwick. Just call me Swanwick. Well, we, we Americans, we have a lot to learn as well <laughs> um, about, about a lot of things. Is there a discount code that we can offer my listeners? Maybe we can just like come up with a word on the spot and yeah. then you can go and create it. Let's, let's, let's call it Max. Max? You want to do me Max? Yeah, you don't have you don't currently have a code max. No, for anybody. I don't. Max. Max. Yeah. Yeah, max. So we'll, no worries at all. We'll do a discount code for max. So go to thirty day no alcohol challenge, input the promo code max, and we'll give you a discount on that. And then same if you just mention max when you if you're you know executive or business owner and you're coming to um, 
you know, you want to do project 90, which is the lengthier one, just mention that as well and I'll give you, I'll give you a discount Oh, as man, well. so generous. So generous of you, James Swanwick. That, thank you. Thank you. No, that's not right. It's Swanwick. Said the right way. Matt. Yes. You know, it's funny. I, <laughs> this is making me remember. I used to call you Max Lugavare. Lugavare, yeah. I remember that. I don't mind. I mean, people like to, there's a, a, you know, people have pronounced my last name in a billion different permutations. And actually, I like the, the more exotic. We were doing an Insta story. We were talking about my, my Swanee's blue light blocking glasses. You were wearing them. And I said, and we were at Soho House in New York, I yes. think. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah, Soho House in New York. And you were wearing my Swanee's glasses and I was wearing mine. And I said, I'm here with Max Lugavare. <laughs> and then I was like... Actually, that's probably not the pronunciation of his name. And you started giggling. And then I recorded it. And then afterwards, it's like, it's Lugavir. Yeah. It's, if, you re- if you read it and you pronounce it like a word in English is meant to be pronounced, it, it's pretty obvious that it's Lugavir. But because it kind of looks French or Italian, people are always like, Lugavare, Luga, I don't know. I've gotten Lugaviri, Luga, uh, yeah, I mean, I've gotten... Basically, any any way that you can pronounce it, I've gotten at some point in my life. But yeah, it's Lugavir, like beer, an alcohol-free <laughs> version of beer. Um, all right. So, thank you for being here and for giving me the last uh, the past fifty-four minutes of your life. I really appreciate it. Last question that gets asked to everybody on the show: What does it mean to you, James Swanick, to live a genius life? Doing what I want, when I want, with who I want, how I want. And for me, that starts with outstanding health. So everything that I do is the food that I eat and the liquids that I consume and the people that I spend time with and the environments that I spend time with those people in. I start with that and everything else seems to fall into place pretty well. Hmm. Effortlessly. Effortlessly. doesn't mean that it's not without some downs sometimes. Like, Like I said, last year I was... You know, had a bit of a midlife crisis. I remember that. Yeah, I was. I got sad for about six weeks there. But for the most part, if eighty percent of the time I'm doing what I just described, that's a pretty damn good life. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, thank you again to everybody out there listening in podcast land. As always, I appreciate your time and your attention. Share this episode of The Genius Life on your social channels. Take a screen grab, post it up on Instagram, pick out the best line from either James or I, tag each of us in it, tweet it, post the link on Facebook. Um, Yeah, we'd really appreciate it. This stuff is so important. And um, yeah, if you know anybody who is struggling or wants to reduce their alcohol consumption, I mean, this would be the perfect episode to literally share with them. So help spread the word. And I will catch you guys on the next episode of The Genius Life. Peace.